1: The FT Hello and welcome. I'm Neville Hawcock, and this week on the Arts Podcast we'll be talking about the music awards season. Barely a day goes by this month without a statuette changing hands against a deafening background of mutual backslapping. Well perhaps I exaggerate a little. But Sunday the thirteenth sees the Grammys in Los Angeles, Tuesday the fifteenth sees the Brits in London, while the indie focused NME Awards are dished out on february twenty third. With me in the studio are the FT's pop critics, Ludo Hunter-Tilney and Richard Clayton. Ludo, the Brits have revamped themselves this year. According to the uh, popular tabloid newspaper The Sun, a source said, the new committee is ripping the guts out of the old Brits. So what precisely are they up to?
0: I think that they're transferring the old guts, to continue with that uh, analogy, into a smart new chassis or body. Namely, they're moving from Earl's Court, which is a rather tatty venue these days, to the O2 Arena, which is the world's uh, most uh, successful concert venue. So they've got a whizzy new venue in which it'll take place much bigger. The uh, O2 Arena holds some 20,000 people. And um, the statuettes, which they're going to hand out, have been redesigned by none other than Vivienne Westwood, who will be uh, presumably giving them a punky cast. She was the uh, partner of Malcolm McLaren. I think it's a rather Union Jacky sort of makeover, from what I've seen of them. That would fit with the Brits theme, I suppose. Nice touch. Yeah, very good. Um, We'll go back. Union Jack theme was a great part of uh, Westwood's work in the 70s, with the Sex Pistols and such like. Um, They're going to be having um, the Lifetime Achievement Award that the Brits used to give out to some old-timer has now been dropped. It's clearly they want to give a sort of uh, image of British music as forward and youthful, and they're not going to have any of the dinosaurs, the oasis of this world, clogging up the stage at the very end. And uh, I think that the whole thing is now, it's once once more going to be um, uh, produced live on television, where they're going to be uh, showing it, which I think Richard uh, can uh, tell us a bit about that.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, David Joseph is the new chairman of the Brits. Uh, He's from um, Universal Music. And making it live again, yes. I mean, the the thing with the Brits was that it always used to be a bit of a ramshackle affair, um, very unpredictable, most famously in 1989 when Sam Fox, the uh, topless model, and Mick Fleetwood, the uh, very tall drummer from Fleetwood Mac, uh, had a legion of problems with the auto cue, and uh, it was very compelling um, but real car crash TV. Um, Since then, uh, there have been a couple of other high points, notably when uh, Jarvis Cocker uh, bared his bottom during a Michael Jackson performance, the very egregious uh, Earth song, which uh, everyone in Britain thought was far too over the top. So there have been these incredible moments, but it's always been the unscripted ones that the Brits have been famous for. Now, what David Jones is doing now, I think is slightly um, trying to have it both ways. He talks about it being a must-see spectacle, but at the same time uh, wants more gravitas about the music. And I don't necessarily see that those go together very well.
0: On that same note, it'll be interesting to see if any politicians turn up this year, because it used to be politicians would flop to the Brits, but this practice was uh, was uh, literally, there was a dampener put on it, when a, a member of the anarchist uh, pop group Chumbawamba, who went by the name of Norbert Nobacon, drenched John Prescott, then Deputy Prime Minister, with water in protest at uh, some government policy or other and uh, since then they've kept away but now will there be anyone from the government at the current brit awards in today's heightened political climate
2: more, more to the point as well i mean will the uh rock and pop stars be able to hold their liquor because um they always used to get uh very jolly and uh, that was uh, again one of the uh, the classic things about the brits that no one really would be listening to, to who was on stage and again david joseph this this time has said that he's uh, concerned about the raucous element and uh, they used to confirm stereotypes so it seems to me more like a kind of uh, bugler for the business rather than anything that's actually going to let the the creative types let their hair down. And
0: I'm not sure if we do want to have a slick, highly produced Brits either. The thing for which it's famous, infamous is for When Things Go Wrong, which after all does live up to the sort of pop reputation for for no-holds-barred uh, transgressiveness and fun. We remember it for things like Joss Stone and her rubbish American accent that she used when she accepted an award. Yes. Which she she's barracked afterwards. We remember it for Liam Gallagher and Robbie Williams offering to go out and fight each other, you know, in what would have been one of the sort of, uh, sort of lightweight bow to the century.
1: So it sounds as if the, um, the format of the awards is uh, potentially going to be a lot tamer. How are the nominees actually decided? I think that's changed this year as well, hasn't it? Um,
0: no, it hasn't changed this year. I mean, they've, they've allowed winners from previous years to vote, but that's only a few people. They have a 1,000 industry insiders, of which I count myself uh, a member voting upon who should win and uh, the uh, the various nominees arise from that and uh, this year the list of nominees is uh, quite low on pun rock
2: I notice. there's not much rock going on there well no we live in we live in very pop uh, poptastic times don't we and um, there is a few smatterings of, of X factor alumni as well in there which I suppose, yeah, symptomatic of what's popular at the moment, not necessarily what's good. But The, what, um, the
0: ones who um, we should um, mention, the uh, ones who have got the most uh, nominees. For instance, we have Tiny Temper, one of the new generation of British rappers who's been m- nominated uh, multiple times. Um, there's also um, Plan B, the rapper-turned-soul
2: singer. has also got a number of nominations. Who's a very interesting act. Yes, and then Paul Weller and uh, Robert Plant, who were obviously uh, two of the candidates who would have been up for Lifetime Achievement had they still got it in there, but still very vital in making uh, fresh new stuff, obviously in their own ways. And then Mark Ronson bringing up the rear, definitely, I think, in a way, because he's more of a New Yorker than a a Brit, really. Um, Although that pop album was, you know, good fun, I think. uh, More than I was expecting from him, certainly. I think the problem this year, possibly,
0: could be, regardless of its scripted nature is going to be the fact that it could be quite predictable I think the winners are quite easy to pick I mean, I'll mean, i put my, my, my head on the chopping block here Go on, then. and suggest to you that uh, the winner of the British male solo artist who are Mark Ronson, Paul Weller, Plan B, Robert Plant and Tiny Temper is going to be a battle between Plan B and Tiny Temper and I would say Plan B will be the one who, uh, who takes that for yeah, the, I,
2: I think you're right there
0: um, Defamation of Strickland uh, um, what's the Thanks. last bit of that Richard Checking thank you, that. you very much uh, <laughs> Rock critic Richard Clayton. Yes. And for um, for the best British female solo artist, we have Cheryl Cole, Ellie Goulding, Laura
2: Marling, Paloma Faith, and Rumour. I think Rumour is a shoe in for that as well. And I'd love to see Laura Marling, will it? But uh, no I, don't, I don't think she will. Um, the most interesting category probably is um, international female, actually, which again probably shows the temperature of, of pop at the moment. We've got Rihanna in there and uh, um, Alicia Keys. <laughs> I mean- Katy Perry,
0: yes, uh, Robin and uh, Kylie. Yeah,
2: so, I mean, Rihanna and Robin, uh, I think, are uh, hot tips. I would suggest
0: to you, as Rihanna is playing, she's a lockdown for the award, not least because de- a few years back she suffered the indignity of doing a duet with the Claxons <laughs> at the Brits. God, God, so I think right, if, if yeah. only to apologise for making her share a stage with that hapless bunch of indie chances, they'll be giving her
1: the gong. Ludo, you've made a bold claim there about it being a toss-up between uh, Tiny Temper and uh, Plan B for the British male solo artist. Let's uh, take a chance to listen to um, Tiny Temper performing uh, Pass Out.
2: Yeah, yeah, we bring the stars out We bring the women in the cards and the cards
0: out Let's have a toast celebration, get a glass out And we can do this until we pass out
1: Well, that's a Tiny Temper there, who's nominated in several categories at the uh, Brit, also nominated in uh, at least two of the categories, uh, for British Breakthrough Act and for uh, British Group, in fact, and by way of complete contrast is uh, Mumford & Sons. Let's uh, do a compare and contrast and uh, listen to them singing The Cave. Some Uh, complete contrast with uh, Tiny Tempo. Is it, is it a bit of a... Are we seeing a bit of a back-to-basics move here? This Those two uh,
0: those two bands do uh, sum up quite neatly, and this is the use of the Brits, they sum up quite neatly two contrasting poles of uh, British music currently. On the one hand, you have the Mumford & Sons, who are from uh, quite a posh background, frankly. They're part of yeah, the many pop and rock stars today who've had private educations, recently estimated at 60%. Today's chart, rock and pop acts. They play a sort of... Um, an old fashioned, faux, authentic, folky sort of music. On the other hand, you have Tiny Temper, who is from, uh, well, he's from Plumstead, which isn't the roughest part of uh, London, for those who, got, who don't it's know it's that, got his uh, part. that summer. But he is part of the sort of urban, much more technologically uh, adept and savvy generation. You feel that uh, the two of them do do present very good contrasting. Yeah,
2: definitely. I mean, Tiny Temper, uh, that song got a boost by being on an advert for a computer game, and it's got that kind of tinniness as well of, of um, you know, computer graphics and sounds. Uh, going on in it. Uh, it's, it's got a bit of a dubstep influence as well, and there's some great lyrics about um, how he's got more clothes he knows what to do with, so he leaves them at his aunt's house. I mean, it, it, it's a lovely mixture of the kind of the, the bragging rights that, that rap obviously has, but with a kind of very English sort of modesty thing going on in it. It, uh, it comes from an album which isn't necessarily a, uh, a comprehensive record, but he's, he's certainly a good singles artist, I think, and um, I'm, I'm very pro the whole upsurge and, uh, of this kind of... Um, British urban pop and the fact that it is very multicultural, actually, as well. You've got, you know, black and white kids who are both, you know, loving this stuff equally and, and the, the generic boundaries um, don't really exist so much, I think, in the UK, uh, perhaps whereas they do in the Grammys where you've got um, awards for every single subgenre of music going. But the difference with this is there is no Brit's award for hip-hop,
0: R&B, That's urban music. And in yeah. fact, one of the biggest trends of last year dubstep, as you just mentioned, isn't even recognised by the Brits, which is a way is, is one of the sort of problems of, of, of this particular awards that it is very slow to react to things, it's obviously very uh, music industry based, it's to do with big artists who they want to be able to sell lots of records of but it misses out things like dubstep, yeah, which I, have clearly come up.
2: Yeah, I, I think I'd like to have a few more categories, certainly, you know, dubstep or an urban category would be one. I I think genuine folk as well, because Mumford's is definitely the kind of yummy mummy, friendly, organic yogurt sort of version of of folk, rather than the the much more traditional stuff where it's the Unthanks or Chris Wood or even the venerable Richard Thompson who are out there. But it's not going to really rock. uh, If there were if there was a folk category,
0: the droves of people turning off on ITV would be so immense as to cause It'd a It would be good
2: for them. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I think there should be some. But at the same time, I quite like the fact that there aren't these uh, distinctions and that there is just one pop category, and then pop uh, represents all the kind of stuff that is going on at, at once. Um, because, as I say, I think that multicultural aspect of British pop, which is sort of Dizzy Rascal has kind of started in the way he's gone more and more pop in his career, is is a good thing. It's curious
1: that you say that, because this is the point at which uh, multiculturalism is meant to have failed, if we're to believe it. Well, exactly. I mean, it. I don't
2: want to get, you know, political or, or equally naive here, but I always thought multiculturalism meant a kind of mixing of things. And I always think of it as, you know, being British, Britain's love for a curry and the fact that, you know, massive attack came out of the sound system. Scene in, in Bristol and, and uh, you know all that kind of stuff. I mean, it'd be quite good to even have a a, a Bangra category as well because you know that's British Asian music uh, with a kind of drum and bass influence. Well, British British pop music is itself a form of
0: multiculturalism in mean, as much as it's a sort of uh, national. It's a national language which has been formed from an American one. It came from America, yet has become immensely successful. It's Britain's most successful cultural export. The Brits in comparison to any other awards show, is way above there. Things like the BAFTAs, no one gives a king's speech about. But something like the Brits is watched on television. It is our Oscars. I mean, and it is also a product of, as it were, cultural sort of uh, warp and weft.
1: I don't think um, there's even a Bangra category in the 109 categories that uh, confines the Grammys. It's a truly extraordinary
2: taxonomy. True, there. <laughs> there, there is, yes. Well, um, am I mistaken there? No, there isn't. But well, the One that they missed out, apparently, because there's, they couldn't get enough uh, entries for, was a regional Mexican album, <laughs> which is a bit of an oversight. Uh, I did notice there's also a, a best New Age album, and two of the records up for there were Instrumental Oasis, Volume 4, which I don't think is uh, something that... Uh, Noel put out having stripped off Liam's vocals and also Sacred Journey of the Kukai, Volume 4 which might be something to do with that James Cameron film that uh, everyone was going mad about last year
0: Uh, The Grammys is a remarkable vast floating liner cruise ship of an awards show It was even a pre-Grammys show on television which was hosted by LL Cool J um, whose name, uh, a Welsh wit, once told me, had he been from Wales would be, (laughs) Cool J (laughs) Anyway, he hosted the pre-Grammy Awards show, which was an hour long on primetime telly, which was just to announce the nominee. So the Grammy is this vast, vast, vast thing. But, I I mean, some of it is just mystifying. What's the difference, can anyone explain, Richard, between best song and best record?
2: Well, I was wondering that myself. I mean, I, perhaps it's something to do with, you know, best song has more lyrical content and and record is more about the sonics that go in, in it. But, I mean, that's just my guess. Uh yeah, I mean it's that all all shall have prizes kind of uh, thing, which uh, is that American dream or British promise? I don't know. But, I think uh, it
0: was you mentioned gravitas earlier about the Brit Awards. The Brits lacking gravitas um, and uh, being a sort of cheekier, more irreverent. Whatever their attempts to try and rebrand it, and I think that the Grammys does have that monumental, uh,
2: very sort of uh, graven lapidary, written in stone quality. Yeah, well, it's it's a sort of supersized awards, isn't it? I mean, you, you really would feel bloated after, you know, consuming all of those awards if, if they were a, a smorgasbord of, of, of treats. You'd feel but, exhausted sitting through it. It'd uh, be like the longest yeah. prog rock concert ever. But it's, so it kind of grinds you down, perhaps, with its authenticity in a way, whereas the, the Brits, as you say, is more irrever- irreverent. But... Um, Yeah, again, this David Joseph chap, he's talked about having a must-see spectacle, which, you know, does suggest he wants to sort of capture that red carpet thing, but perhaps also a nod to the old, uh, more raucous history of the Brits, but at the same time wants some gravitas. So I think there's a bit of a mixed message there, particularly, as you said earlier, dropping the Lifetime Achievement Award. Well, we'll just have to see what the near future holds, because that's
1: all we have time for now. Thanks to my studio guests, Ludo Hunter-Tilney and Richard Clayton, and to you for listening. The Arts Podcast was produced by Griselda Murray-Brown. Goodbye.
0: For more downloads, go to
1: ft.com forward slash podcasts.
2: Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface.